The Restless Midlifer Podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. To episode 108 of the podcast. Now, this week I've got an interview. I'm still going to continue the in the series uh, in relation to what's your relationship like with food. Uh, and I know I've still got to cover the social and the emotional element of that. But one of the things, I had one of those slap your forehead moments uh, middle of the week since the last episode where I thought I didn't really touch on a key area of the physical aspect of food or what it provides for us physically. So I'm going to talk about that. And it's really satiation and satisfaction, the satisfaction physically uh, and you know, emotionally, etc., from food. So I'm going to touch on that quickly. And because of that, it's not going to be a big episode like the social or the emotional. It's more of an add-on that I should have included last week. Uh, and because of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to include the interview with Wayne Barrigan. Now, Wayne is a, a health coach looking at sustainable weight loss, getting back into fitness and health. And I've known Wayne for a number of years through our, um, well, through working for the same police force over the, the, over the years. Um, and what I like about Wayne's approach, again, is it's similar philosophy to mine. It's about how do we develop that sustainable approach? Uh, you'll hear about Wayne's story and, and his background as well and the challenges that he's found with finding something sustainable and that kind of informs his intention when he approaches the coaching side. Obviously with coaching it's not necessarily always about providing solutions and answers and guidance and stuff like that. It is about trying to encourage the individual to come up with solutions and ideas um, and very much again my philosophy. However that approach certainly is something that that I think clients can connect with, particularly if you're, you know, like many of my clients, you're kind of sick of the roller coaster or the merry-go-round, as I call it, the diet merry-go-round, and you just want to take off that pressure to stop being so hard on yourself and just build a more sustainable, enjoyable way of life. So it's a great interview with Wayne, and um, you, you can check out the links on how you can get in touch with Wayne in show notes. Uh, so let me know any thoughts or questions uh, in relation to that. But I guess tying into that theme around you know, something sustainable and enjoyable. I want to sort of just explore very briefly the the aspect of satiation. Now, I'm not going to go into the physical, kind of chemical, hormonal, biological drives around satiation. I just mean, or I just want to explore the this aspect of how food can make us feel satisfied. As in, oh, I really enjoyed that meal. It was tasty. It was filling. It just had just had everything I needed in it. And I think this is something that perhaps we we disregard. Again, I talked about it last week. We disregarded our peril. You know, we have to acknowledge that the body needs a certain amount of physical nutrients and energy intake to be able to satisfy the basic needs and the needs that will fit whatever lifestyle we choose, however active we, we choose it to be. But there is also this aspect of how satisfying is food. And yes, there's the emotional element and the comfort food element, social element, which I'm going to talk about and tease out in coming weeks. But I think there's a physical aspect to this. And I think it's something to just flag up and get you to think about. Because how many diets have you been on or plans this, you know, uh, extreme that, whatever they happen to be, where that kind of is almost parked and it's very much focused on, you know, quite extreme, exclude this, restrict that, cut down on this and and never let that particular food darken the doors of your mouth type of thing. Um, I've been on all sorts of them. I've been, you know, whether it's because I've chose to do it, I've been supporting a, you know, a a family member, partner, etc. I've been on everything from high fat, low fat, low carb, you know, um, you know, calorie counting, calorie counting to the extreme, the different, you know, Slim World Weight Watchers, all of these kinds of things. And perhaps not so much the Slim World Weight Watchers, because I think there's a, albeit there are accounting sins and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, th- th- there are challenges around those particular um, plans as well that I find sometimes the clients have. But they, they tend to have a bit more of a well rounded sort of approach to what you eat. But when it's more exclusionary and um, restrictive, you know, that low carb, slow carb, even all those kinds of things, um, I, I often find that the thing I struggle with. Yes, the potential when you cut down, you can experience hunger, you can experience, you know, general boredom, I guess, as well. But I also find that after a little while, and, you know, if I was to embark on it now, probably within minutes or half an hour of a meal, I just find that the level of satisfaction and fulfillment, for want of a better phrase, diminishes to the point of drops off completely when I'm eating those kinds of food. And it brings me to that point that really feeling that like your food has been enjoyable. I've really enjoyed that meal. It was tasty. The textures was a variety of textures. It had a bit of everything in it is really important. Now we're all different. We all have preferences. And again, this comes back to that individualization. And this is why you know buying into a particular plan or approach can be challenging 
if it doesn't suit you. For a few people it will suit perfectly, but for the majority of us we need to tailor it to ourselves. And that's why I want to get you to encourage you to think about this as an ingredient as well. How satisfied does my food leave me, leave me feeling? And I don't just mean in full tummy feeling not hungry anymore. I mean in just a sense of, God, that was really nice. I enjoyed that. Um, and however you would describe it. And I talked about last week, you know, about um, the, you know having a takeaway versus something homemade and how often sometimes when you take the time to make that homemade food, you'll often think, you know, that was better than a takeaway. And I think sometimes we can default to the easier, lower friction, sort of chemically enhanced, for one, again, a, a want of a better phrase, kind of foods. When actually just taking a little bit more time to prep, having a few more different spices and flavors in and nothing overly complicated, having a different variety of food in there, you know, across the, the macronutrients of proteins, carbs, fats, can really give you something very satisfying from it. And picking those kinds of foods to suit you can have a, it's a very intangible thing in terms of you can't put a calorie on it, you can't put a gram on it, but what you can put on is a feeling, a subjective feeling. And this is something that I think is really important when we're getting into you know, restricting foods, cutting down, trying to get healthier, whatever, however we want to describe it. We have to factor in the subjective feel. And I often talk about this with clients around, it's not just a number on a scale, it's how you feel in yourself and where what generates that feeling of you know, not being happy with yourself, etc. And sometimes it might be the, the physical number on the scale, but often it's a combination of other things, including the self-talk, the um, perhaps comments in the past from others, that kind of thing. And I think it's a similar thing for food, that we need to broaden our expectations from it rather than just seeing it as a number of this and a number of that, grams, calories, whatever, whatever we choose to do. And think about how does this make me feel? Because one of the things that I've found, and I know this is very true with a, a good few of the clients that I work with, is that... When you get that satisfaction right, and particularly at key meals where it particularly matters, and I talked about last week, you know, you've got the difference between a functional meal where really, it, you know, you're not, it's not because you're, you're having a social event. You don't really need to get anything emotional out of it. You don't really need to get any particular satisfaction out of it. It's just something you do, in, perhaps it might be breakfast, it might be lunch. It's something you do, breaks up the day, gives you a bit of energy for the day, and then you're on with something else. There may be a lower need for satisfaction. Now, it doesn't have to be lunch or breakfast, could be any of them, to be fair. But the point is, there may be key meals in your day and your week where it really matters that that meal just hit the spot, was just really satisfying. And what would that meal be? As in, what which particular meals of a day would it be? And also, what would you, what do you find needs to be in that meal for you? And yes, that might be where we start to get into. Actually, it's probably, it does need a bit of the unhealthiest stuff. I do like a bit of sweet stuff after. Let's let's look at that. That's okay. Because often we demonize things. And actually what we're trying to do is achieve a certain level of satisfaction that can mean we then don't feel a gaping hole in our soul after the meal that leads us to then go and raid the fridge later, binge, eat, whatever, or the elastic band. You manage it for a couple of days and then snap back and, it, and, and you kind of lapse into former eating behaviours, that seesaw, the all or nothing kind of thing. And it's really important, and it may be really important to you. Maybe, you know, for some it's not. But typically I think when food is such an important part of the lives of many of us, it is important that we kind of cover all our bases in terms of satisfaction, taste, flavour, texture, taste and flavour are probably the same thing, texture, um, the food groups are covered, and you do come away feeling that. So I guess really, just as a takeaway or a question for you is to think about it, because I don't have any hard, fast rules. It must cover all these food groups. You need these spices or flavours or tastes covering, etc. It is a very individual thing. What I would ask you to do is to think, park the judgment, park about whether it's healthy, this, too much, too little of that, and just think about what are the meals or the, the foods that tend to give you that sense of satisfaction. Now, this is a difficult one because it might tease into emotional comfort in that emotional balm or, or some sort of connection to it. And I'm going to talk about that next week. What I'm genuinely talking about is feeling like that was a really lovely meal. That kind of lower level of intensity and craziness that we can sometimes feel around it if we just, you know, that first beer that you're just desperate for or that first, you know, bar of chocolate you're ramming your throat your mouth because you, you, somebody spoke to you quite nastily or whatever. We're trying to talk, we're trying to sort of focus on what would be just a nice meal, a good meal that would make you feel satisfied, that then leads you to feel more composed and collected in yourself and less prone to 
the, the elastic band snapping back, the emotional eating, the binge eating, the raid in the fridge at midnight, whatever it is. What would what are those meals? And think back to your past, because I think we can probably all pinpoint certain particular meals, homemade, they might even be from a you know a particular diet plan you followed. Um, and you thought, you know, that was really nice. That really was lovely. Why don't I bring that back in? Or why don't I look at it and see if I can keep the largely the elements, perhaps look at the quantities that I serve myself. You know, there's other things we can do around it, but start to bring the level of satisfaction back into food and start to shift our relationship with food, not just emotionally and socially as I'll come on to, but physically, so that we get that physical shift that actually what I'm eating is physically good for me. Not just in energy wise, not just in bodily repair, but in satisfaction terms. So what would that be? I'd be curious because, you know, I have a number of different meals and I've just recently rediscovered the joy of um, spaghetti, you know, um, I can't, I can't remember the Italian name for it, but now, but spaghetti pasta base, there's something about it and, it and it's really satisfying for me. I'm not saying that would work for you, but it's something that clearly leaves me feeling like that was a lovely meal. I haven't overdone it. I haven't had a takeaway. I haven't gone overboard, but I feel like I've had something really tasty. So what would it be for you? I'd be really curious. So drop me an email at dave at restlessmidlifer.com um, and any questions or thoughts around this physical aspect as well. And indeed, any questions around the social or thoughts around the social and emotional aspect, which I'm going to tease out over coming weeks as well. Um, so that's it for today. For now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to head on into the interview with Wayne Barrigan. I hope you enjoy that. Again, if you have any questions or thoughts or feedback, email me dave at restlessmidlifer.com. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, you can um, visit uh, midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast for that you can also leave a review which would be really great if you like the podcast and value it just so we can start to build and reach out to more people um and that would be great so anyway on with the interview and uh, enjoy your week now then Wayne it's uh, great to have you along so um we've uh, we've known each other for a little while as I know that'll become apparent as we're talking but um it's great to have you on the podcast because I want to pick your brains about your your particular focus within the world of coach and health, nutrition, fitness, that kind of stuff. Um, before we do that, do you want to tell listeners a bit about yourself, your background and, and what's led up to, to doing what you're doing? Yeah, hiya Dave. Well, thanks for having me on firstly. Um, yeah, my background is, my name's Wayne Barrigan. I'm a, a, a sort of a health nutrition coach um, in, the, in the sort of fitness space if you like and the nutrition space but my background really is uh, as we know each other from from old is is in policing uh, I was I joined law enforcement as a, a younger lad been and I'm, I'm still working uh, in the policing now but I, I got into coaching um, through work um, several quite a few years back now um, through working with people through working with our colleagues uh, and and I absolutely loved it um, did it did a coaching course uh, through work did quite a bit of work with individuals where I saw some really good results around all sorts of areas. Um, and latterly, uh, I did a, I've always had an interest in, in nutrition, health and fitness. And I did a, a qualification um, a certified course with a company called EIQ Nutrition, which was absolutely brilliant. Um, did that out of my own interest. And then I've meshed the two together, the coaching with the nutrition. So uh, here I am now setting away my, my own little thing um, outside of my normal job to try and help and support people on their journey, um, similar to people who've been in a similar position to myself, who've maybe struggled with their own health and uh, weight issues. Um, but although I've never really had a, a massive issue around my own weight, I've always carried a little bit of weight and and you know, I don't mind admitting that I've, I've been and tried every diet under the sun and, mm -hmm. and learned, um, you know, learned through experience and through age. And as we get a little bit older, we realize and, and through the training that I did with EIQ, I got a completely different perspective on how to approach all of this, which makes 100% common sense to me. It's, 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 it's allowed me to look through a different lens uh, and give me a, a big paradigm shift and how, and, and how to how I, how I look after myself and then how I can support and help others mm -hmm. to, to look after themselves really. So, so that's the journey I've sort of I've been on to get to where I am at the moment. Yeah. Brilliant. And I think, so we'll dive into that a little bit more, but yeah. one of the thing, things is it's interesting. You talk about working on yourself and stuff. What, was there a, like a kind of a turning point? Cause I'm, I'm like you in that, like weight's always been a thing. Um, Back, even when you look at photographs in the past and you think, well, what was I thinking? You know, there's nothing wrong with this type of stuff until yeah. odd times when it yeah. clearly was an issue. Um, up and down, tried all sorts, believed in falling for all sorts of fatty things and 
kind of came to a turning point in my own life, which I've talked about in previous episodes of podcast, so I don't need to yeah. go back. But was there a point where you you talked about that age and wisdom and that thing that coming together? What what was it for you? Yeah, there definitely was, Dave. And and I think the real wake-up call for myself was was when COVID happened. Um I was quite poorly right right at the very start of COVID when um when it first kicked off and, and before there was any testing and and you know before we really knew an awful lot about it, it was it was hitting the news and mm. I, I became um really unwell, um, not knowing that I had COVID at the time. Uh ended up having to go into hospital, uh struggling with my breathing, um, had this horrendous cough that lasted a good couple of weeks and I was I was basically I, I couldn't do anything. I was I isolate myself in a room. Um and, and it scared me. It scared me a lot. I, I wasn't. I wasn't put submit, uh, admitted to hospital or anything. But uh, it was at the point where I'd, I didn't know what to do. And I rang the helpline. They said you should really come into hospital and get checked out. Mm. Um, so that that was a bit of a wake up call for me. And and the recovery afterwards was was uh, was really slow. It took me. I mean, I've always been a keen into my fitness and, and particularly into my running as I've got older. Uh, not that I'm a brilliant runner or anything like that, but just for, for my own health and fitness, really, I enjoy running. And I noticed after after thinking I'd recovered from what was probably COVID, although it was never diagnosed because there was no testing at the time, um, it, it took me at least six months to get to get my lungs back to some sort of, uh, you know, capability. I, w- I would go out for a run and I would think, wow, this is something not right here. My chest was closing in, and I thought I felt like, "Oh my God, I have a heart attack!" I'm, you know, I, I, I was starting to scare myself all the time. And I, I got involved in a, a friend of mine told me about a thing called low heart rate training. Um, so right. I, I did, I did that, and I stuck with it for three months, and it worked. Um, I just gradually built up my my sort of uh, stamina and endurance and my lung capacity very, very slowly, keeping my heart rate low. And to a point where after three months, I, made, I noticed a massive difference. And now, I'm, I mean, I'm you know, a couple of years down the line, I'm 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 back to back to full fitness really. So, but yeah, that was that was the wake up call for me. Was was it, it made me realise that my core value, one of my core values, is health. You know, yeah. and you kind of you, and as you get older, you start all the things that you you took for granted. All of a sudden, you you realise you know you, you're getting closer to to the end game. So you want to. I'm at that point now, you know, I know you do you do your, your midlife work and stuff, Dave. I'm at that point now where, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the days and I appreciate the time we've got and I, I, everything's more, you know, more is more valuable to me. So I want to make the most of this this sort of second half of my life, as I call it. You know, I'm playing the second half now, so I want to yeah. enjoy it and I, I want to, you know, I want to I want to be a winner. So yeah. so that was the wake-up call, definitely, was, was COVID. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah it's interesting that like i mean that midlife thing i think that's it's it sort of brings these things into focus doesn't it for you at times like especially when you go through a stroke like a health struggle or something it's a wake up yeah. call um and 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 it's interesting it's kind of sometimes that happens at any point in life and sometimes we kind of brush it off when you get back to health but there's points where it sticks with you and you make the changes and stuff and i think that's that's obviously the interesting part with work like you know that people yeah. you work with and, and that i work with that you know when it when it when you get that stick and point of like a change and the midlife experience and a bit of that wisdom that comes along with it and also just flipping burnt out with all the effort of diet yeah. and all that rubbish before yeah you you are genuinely looking for something different yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and i noticed um you know again going back to the course i did i, I learned a lot for, from uh, emma and amelia who, who run the course uh and, and it was very it was an evidence-based nutrition mm-hmm. course but very practically based as well. Yeah. So it's how you implement that in real life. It wasn't just the science. It was, he's the science that backs up the practical skills of what yeah. you can do. And it was a very much a compassionate approach to coaching and, yeah. you know, and, and uh, taking away the, the dichotomous thinking of good and bad. Yeah. And, 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 and what we were, you know, what I've learned and, and my whole, whole sort of outtake on this is that everyone's unique. Everyone's an individual. And there isn't a one size fits all. Uh, you've got to work with people. And, and my approach, you know, and I'm sure it's very similar to yourself, David, when, when I'm working with people is a form a relationship with that person to understand them and find out what is going to work for them forever, for the rest yeah. of their life. Because it's no good doing something for 12 weeks or six weeks or whatever, getting some good results 
and then you spring back to how you were, you know, whether that's immediately or over time. And we, you know, as we all know, we've seen them being being there ourselves. You, you end up back to where you were, or if not, even worse, in a worse position with a few extra pounds on. So yeah, so 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 it's uh, it's that it's that sort of uh, bespoke, unique approach to individuals, yeah. really, and that only comes through to me. That's why the value of coaching comes in. Uh, you know, because people, and, and I've been there myself, I've do, you do it yourself. You think, I know everything. I know what to do. I know how to do this. But sometimes it's that support and the accountability that a coach brings, you know, yeah. that, that that sort of holding you, holding yourself to account because you know that you're checking in with your coach. And sometimes you just need that bit of support and encouragement as well, which which is massive, you know. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right about that. I mean, I often talk about sometimes like, especially on podcast, tips to self-coach. And I think that can be really useful. Sometimes we just need that extra bit and, and it can be really, and sometimes it's just about talking to somebody about getting it out of your head so you can hear it for the first time. You absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's many a time when you're having a discussion with someone and, I, and I'm, I totally believe in this where you, you answer your own questions. Uh -huh. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. yeah. You hear yourself talk and you think, actually, that, yeah. that's what I've been thinking about for ages. And, and that's the answer, you know, yeah. and, and it is just, just, verbalizing you know and, and and thinking things through as you speak or yeah. you know, the other side of that as, as well as is things like journaling you know where yeah. it, you know it's, it, it's got i don't know whether it's got some sort of reputation or geeky image or, or whatever you know like you're a teenager type thing but the value of journaling is huge it's absolutely massive and you know if you reframed that or renamed it even as, as you know you're doing your daily business plan are you mm. doing your weekly business plan? Are you do, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's a little, oh yeah, well, business people will do that. You mm. know, professionals will do that. Sports stars will do that. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll work out the training plans and, and, and things like that for the day, for the week, for the month. And yeah. all you're doing is the same for yourself, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's, it can add massive value. You know, the pe people who are investing in, in tactics like that generally will have a higher rate of success, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good. That's a good thing to pick up. There's loads of questions I want to ask, so I'm going to kind of yeah. flag them in my head to come back to. But that one there, I, I mean, like I suppose journaling is one of those things where you think back to the Princess Diaries, Adrian Moore's diaries, and that kind of stuff. But I often like to think about Captain's Log, you know, Star Trek type of thing. Being being a bit of a geek, but the idea <laughs> of you document stuff. But it's not just a record. It's about that opportunity to look at it and go and and you don't have to write one piece. It's just get it out of your head and have a look at it and think. Okay, so I thought that went bad. It wasn't bad. What can I learn from it? And then you you talk about that business plan. I love that because I talk about opening and closing ceremonies on the day. Have your opening ceremony. You say, right, what's my plan today? And having a bit of pen and paper in your hand is brilliant for just jotting down a few things. Right, what am I intending today? What's how's it fit into my goal at the end of the day? What have I achieved? And you know, and it yeah. only takes a couple of minutes. Absolutely. If we can reframe it from like our perceptions. Then it'd be really useful. So, do you have any, like, I guess, any tips or thoughts on how, on journaling or how to get started or anything like that for people? Yeah, yeah, I do, and, I, and only because I've done it myself and I've been there and I, I've worked with coaches, you know, um, who, who who are really good at this type of stuff. And and it, it, it's um, first tip number one is lose your ego. You know, get let your ego put that in the bin because you don't, you know, that if you've got an ego, you're not going to really truly honestly reflect and, and write stuff down. So, so lose your ego, then B, keep it really simple. Um, and, I, and I would say, you know, starting with, and like you rightly said earlier, Dave, is you don't want to be writing more in pieces. So if that works for you, fine, crack on and, and spend a lot of time writing stuff down. But there's something magical about putting something down on pen and paper. There's mm -hmm. something happens in that process. Rather than just sitting thinking about things, actually writing it down mm -hmm. makes, I, I don't know the science behind it, but it, it makes a world of difference. But starting with today, what what is it you're looking forward to? What is what's exciting you about today? What are you what things do you want to achieve today? You know, little simple little journal prompts like that, so you can just give a little brief answer, a short mm. brief answer. And because the idea is you don't want to be spending you know too much time on this because we all have busy lives. We've all got yeah. loads to do, and amongst all of the other things that we're trying to do to improve ourselves and self development routines, we might be we might be trying to adopt. So you've got to keep it simple, but but little little things like that at the start of the day, and if you if you can be ultra disciplined and do something reflective at the end of the day as well, is is things like reflecting on how did the day go, what went well, what could you improve, what could have been a bit better, 
you know, and it, and it depends on individuals' goals really as to what, if you want to fine tune and focus in on specific things. So for example, if someone's got nutrition goals, uh, they're, they're you know, reflecting on how they've gone, they've done today with the nutrition, but, but being taken that self-compassionate view, you know, I'm a massive believer in this through the training I've done about, about self-compassion. And it's not about beating yourself up about something. It's about yeah. saying, well, I had a challenge around this today. It didn't go great. What can I do to, to improve that tomorrow? Mm. And, and just something very simple, something basic to, to, you know, I might, I was snacking late, late last night, for example, it might be an example. I, I, I caved in, I gave in and I snacked and because I snacked, I had a, I'd sort of binge it a little bit and I, I had a bit too much. So the idea is get away from beating yourself up about that and, and, and being overcritical is to say, okay, that's great that I've recognized that that particular behavior. What mm. could I do tomorrow that might prevent that from happening and take me a step forward towards where I want to be? And then you, you're bit, so, so just writing that down, you know, whatever that might be, I might build a pause in. I might, as soon as I get to that thing where I get up to go and get something to eat, actually, I'm going to try and divert myself to where my trainers are and just walk around the block, you know, build a little, whatever it is that, that you can be able to take the dog out. Yeah. You know, because because yeah. usually what we find is if we distract our if we go down a different pathway, that urge goes. Yeah. That that sort of you know that that moment where you were going to reach to the fridge or the cupboard has gone, and yeah. and then when you get back, it's like, well, I'm okay now. I don't actually really fancy anything. I might get a glass of water, and actually it's bedtime. You know, um, yeah. so so I think you know keep it simple, um, and and make it relevant to you. But don't don't overcomplicate it with with fancy scientific, you know. That I've got to write. I've got to explore all these different areas. D do what's important to you at that time. And then finally, I would say, don't be scared of a little bit of gratitude. What what are you grateful for? What what's you know? If you've got a family and you, you know you've had you managed to have some good quality time with your family, that's something to be really grateful for at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, and, and writing that down, you know, and you're saying actually these are the important things in life. You know, yeah. brings a sense of perspective and reality back to things. So, absolutely, I, 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 well, everything there is just gold. Us really, and well, there's not especially because they're all every bit of that is good. The last bit, I think, because of our tendency to be to dwell on the negative, is probably where the power of getting it out of your head, whether with a coach or a conversation or into a journal, is yeah. really useful. Because sometimes you just don't see. I often yeah. say, if if you finish the day living breathing, there's more gone right than wrong. But yeah. We don't often feel that. So, you know, it's, like it's times <laughs> you just don't feel that. And sometimes just taking a moment to think, well, what, what has that must gone on can really highlight that and help. Yeah. And I love what you said about urges. Um, like you're right, the compassionate bit is really important. And that urge, it's like a wave, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and so you kind of respond to the urge before you know it a lot of the time or on yeah. automatic pilot. So there's some great thoughts on, on that. So, you, you know, you mentioned the compassion then, because obviously journaling, I think, is a really useful tool for that. But I think compassion's it, it's it's another one of those things that probably got a bad rap. It's kind of soft and fluffy and wishy-washy. We're tough cops, ex-cop, ex-cop my part, you know, you don't do that self-compassion and stuff like that. But actually, for me, it's not actually a soft, fluffy thing. It's like a really pragmatic thing. So how do you approach that with people who have a tendency to be really, really hard on themselves about stuff? Um, I think it's it's initially about self-awareness. And uh, I think people have to have to start working on their own self awareness, really. And and that that can be quite challenging for people who've not who've not been there. Who you know, and, and that's not a criticism. They've just never had the had the opportunity, or they've they've never been brought up that way, where where they self reflect and they understand themselves. They really understand themselves, um, and allowing allowing yourself to be vulnerable, really. Um, I think you're touching on it there, Dave. You're hitting the nail on the head. A lot of people think we've got to put this image on of being tough guys and or tough ladies and resilient and strong all the time. But actually, inside they're breaking. You know, they're they're, they're struggling and and life's challenges are, are really affecting them. So the the strength to me and how I help try and help clients is to understand that it's actually a strength to recognise that it's actually a strength. And, and a real positive step forward to understand that some things are tough and you recognize that some things are tough, whatever that might be. So being compassionate, it, it, it isn't just about 
the soft, fluffy side of it. And and, and I think I learned a lot about this through, again through through the training on the AIQ course. Was compassion isn't about saying, "Oh, never mind. Well done. If I'm a coach, well, you know, you'll get better." It's about it's about holding people to account as well, because yeah. compassion is about doing the right thing by someone. So yeah. if I, as a coach, I'm not doing them any favors, wrapping them up in cotton wool. You know, yes, I'm going to be supportive, and yes, I'm going to be encouraging. But if they're if they're constantly making the same mistake over and over again, or have the same issue or challenge over and over again, sometimes the compassionate thing to do is, right, we need to do something about this, or you need to do something about this. What can you do that's going to be different tomorrow than what you did today? Yeah. And let's yeah. break it right down into simple little steps, into small little steps, and all of a sudden we'll put a, we'll put we'll work on that for now because that's where the challenge is at the moment. So, so compassion comes in different ways. You know, sometimes yeah. we do need to put our arms around people and, you know, and look after them and care, care, give that care inside. But equally, it's about maybe giving them a little nudge in the right direction as well. Yeah. That's, that to me is, is where the balance of compassionate coaching comes in. Yeah. Uh, I'm never, I'm never a one, I'm not a one, I'm not one to do the hairdryer treatment and, you know, give people yeah. collagens. <laughs> and so that, that, I think that is, there's no place for that in, no, in the world we not. work in. Uh, yeah. And I've said, you know, you know, without, you know going on about anyone else but you see plenty of examples of that where people are getting ridiculed and mocked and mm. told that they're not they're not trying hard enough and they're, they're this that and the other the waste in the time and that that to me in our world is is like a big no-no yeah. um you know some people struggle and they struggle for reasons and sometimes it can be deep-rooted and mm. as a coach we're not we're not therapists and we're not you know we're not um medical experts we've got a role to play and we play our position but part of that is to work with someone and help them try and help them on their journey. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I am a big, a big fan of compassion and I think yeah. we have to be compassionate with ourselves as well though. Yeah. You know, and we, so, so that's the, that's the other side. We kind of expect to be compassionate to others and not to ourselves. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, and that, that's the, cause it's, it's compassionate towards the client, but also helping them to find or learn the ability to be self-compassionate. And yes. that, that means we like, you know, that's probably, that's probably been one of the hardest things I've had to learn all my life, you know, is to be a yeah. bit kinder to myself because you're right. You know, the hairdryer treatment, we're probably giving ourselves the hair, hairdryer treatment a lot of the time, you know, that blast in ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I find that that's one of the things that it, the reason it's a prag, practical thing to be more self-compassionate or compassionate towards yourself is because when you're not, you end up spiraling a lot more into the stuff you're trying to avoid or tell yourself off or whatever. Or if you manage to somehow pull it together into some strict, rigid regime, it doesn't last, you know? So Absolutely. teaching that. So, I mean, I guess you'll get a lot of that with some of the clients where they, they're prone to that self-criticism. Is that fair to say? Or and how do yeah, you yeah. support them in that? Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, I think it's about understanding and listening first of all. And, 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 uh, I try and help people to understand the positives about, you know, mm. they're focusing on the negatives and they're pulling themselves apart for certain things or certain challenges they might have. But actually, let's look at it, look at it holistically. What about all the other things? Mm. Well, actually, you're doing really well with that and you're doing really well with that. And, and, and all of a sudden you start working on their own self-esteem and self-worth. And I think, again, it, it, this doesn't happen instantly. It, it, it's a process and it can sometimes take time. Yeah. But I think I think sometimes the work is it, it is a little bit therapeutical, if you like. But from a coaching perspective, it's trying to help people come to their own realization that actually they're yeah. a good person and they mean well and they try hard and they're doing their best. And sometimes things do go a bit pear shaped, but it's not the end of the world. There's always tomorrow, and we can you know we can we can look at this um, again in a diff maybe through a different lens. Yeah. And and there's a multitude of things going on all at once, you know, in working with someone. Um, so another part, you know, another area of, of coaching, which I hadn't touched on earlier, mistakenly really, is through NLP. I did I did um, neuro-linguistic program training um, quite a few years back. And again, I learned an awful lot through that. But again, it's about the language we use. It's about our behaviours. It's about how we think, uh, you know, and, and all of this all interlinks. It all interlinks and, you know, so... So I think we're working with people who have them challenges around, you know, around themselves and about their own sort of self-worth, if you like. It really is about slowly building that up and, and trying to reframe 
how they look at things. Um, if you can, you know, it's not always possible, but but yeah. it's a starting point. And I think you've certainly got a much better chance working with someone than you have trying to deal with it on your own. You know, yeah. that's the that's yeah. my theory. So. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if if you're somebody who who you know, you right, I, I need to get fit, and you get yourself off and take yourself out, and it happens, then fine. And 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 many yeah. do that. You know, it's sometimes when life is so full on, or you're carrying a bit of baggage or whatever from the past, or that self talk. It's useful to bounce and to bounce it around and talk with somebody and have somebody like yourself who has that approach that's like non judgmental in in and compassionate, but prepared to pick up on certain things, certain yeah. patterns, and and. Call, calling them out in a in a compassionate way, you know. Yeah, I tell you, I I often find Dave that when you when you first start working with someone, they'll come they come and you like the first the first phase of, of anything is understanding what their goal is, yeah. what is it they yeah. want to achieve, what is it what is it you're looking yeah. to improve on or or to develop or, or get better at or, and and often it's what they first present isn't what the actual goal is, it's yeah. it, it is something much deeper than that. Yeah. Uh, so what they might come and say. Uh, you know for example i want to lose some weight but actually it's it's a bit more than just losing some weight you know it's because it, we've probably all seen it over the over the years people sometimes do lose the weight and when they get there they're still not happy they still haven't got to that well i thought things would be much better but there's other things that are going on that 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 are actually affecting you know the, the happiness or the well-being or, or whatever it might be so so that's why i like to like to look at you know not Although my most of my training's been in in sort of the nutrition field, I I try and have uh, some some other pillars to my coaching around, you know, uh, the physical training side of stuff. I'm not a PT. I don't pretend to be a PT, uh, and I'm not as far as I'm aware. I'm not going to become a PT, but I've been in sports and fitness all of my life. I know a little bit about that, and and we all know about we all walk. You know, we all we all move around in day to day. So I'm learning and developing my own knowledge and skill set around that. So basic movement and physical fitness is a, is a key pillar mm. uh, for me, uh, as well as uh, brain health. You know, and when I say brain health, that's about your mindset uh, yeah. and, and 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 the approach that we look at it from a psychological perspective uh, and, and things like that. And then the other side of it is the rest and recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, and the sleep in particular, which is something I've uh, you know I've struggled with getting the right amount of sleep over the years uh, as, as you know through work and stuff you can you can uh you can quite if you if you work shifts you know and i've got to admit i haven't always worked shifts but the times when i did my sleep patterns were horrendous you know i was getting nowhere near the amount of sleep that i needed and that that's over long periods of time you know and so so that's one challenge um but other sleeping in general i don't i think there's some good books that, I, that I've read over one in particular, How We Sleep. Um, yeah, Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker, yeah, where it was a big, it was a big eye-opener for me, and I'm thinking, I really need to, to work on this. Because they all interlink, and oh, you, can have, you, can have, you can have a really good nutrition plan, but if you're not sleeping well, and you're not getting the right amount of sleep, you're not, your body's not recovering, it's not processing things as it should whilst you're resting and recovering, oh. and you're more likely to eat more, if you're up later on a night and, and things like that. So, so it all interlinks, you know, so, yeah. so I find when I'm working with people, it's no good me just focusing purely on nutrition because yeah. there might be other thing, other areas, which they, they could also work on, which the, the, the benefits of combining all of these different elements is, is a much more productive outcome really. Yeah. 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 I love that. And, I, and that's a good, that's a good, I like the way you talk about pillars because it kind of implies that they're, that's what it, it rests on the foundations and that you yeah. know it's really important and and just just as a bit of an aside just for listeners that uh, i've got simon ward triathlete coach coming back on a bit later he's uh, going to be we're going to do a deep dive into sleep as well because i think you're absolutely right it kind of it, it, it well all of those pillars are really important so it's really important to deep dive in them but that, i think that's really useful and and you're right so if we can kind of tweak in each of the areas somebody's yeah. going to move in the right direction you know yeah. so i love that yeah absolutely you mentioned something. Uh, I'll come back to the conversation around the question, but you mentioned something about low heart rate training. I was just—you just piqued me curiosity about that because that's something I, I've done a little bit of myself and I've looked into. But as I say, I'm not an expert in fitness, physical fitness side of things either. But what what was the low heart rate training, and what was the context of that? Uh, 
Okay, um, so um, it was the 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 particular one I looked into, and I'm, I'm by no means an expert. Was a thing called the Maffetone method. Yes, and I right. think that's yeah. that's named after a guy called Dr. Phil Maffetone, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and my thing was running and and, and is running. So um, albeit I'm I'm not a fast runner, I'm not a brilliant runner, but I just enjoy running. I enjoy the 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 mental effects of running. I get a lot yeah. out of it. You yeah. know, I get you know being outside. I don't run on treadmills. I go outside, whatever the weather is. And I just enjoy that freedom, and and it, and I think I get the chem chemical releases in my brain. I get the dopamine hits and things like that. So so I'm really I really enjoy running, um, and and I just think that from when I was poorly and I, and I'd started doing the Maffetone method, um, the the benefits were huge. So what it involved was um, work. There's a formula you can use that and, and to really simplify it down. I think it's something like 180 minus your age. There's, a, there's a, a little bit of more of a scientific formula, but to, to just keep it, so depending on how old you are, if you're 40 um, or if you're 50, you know, take take that off 180 and that's your heart rate that you might, you don't want it to be going over. Right. So you keep your heart rate below that. So for me, I think at the time I, it was like between 140, 135, 135, something like that it was at the time. And, um, and it was really difficult to keep my heart rate that low. Um, so what I found, certainly at first, and, and I set off, I got myself a heart rate monitor. Um, you, I'd, I eventually just ended up, I have a fitness watch, a Garmin, and, and I just used that because it's it's not perfect. It's not going to be hyper accurate, but it's accurate enough for what I needed. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, so I could monitor my heart rate and I would, so I'd be running along just very slowly. And then you come to a bit of an incline and all of a sudden you'd see, you get halfway up the incline not a steep bank, just a slight incline, your heart rate would start going up. So I'd have to start, I'd have to stop and walk mm. and allow my heart rate to come back down. So, right. so you manage, you manage your heart rate through, through the run over a period of time. And, and I, the pace, my, my running pace ordinarily now at the moment is, is anywhere between, if I'm, if I'm pushing on a bit, it's about ah, eight and a half minute miles. If I'm taking it steady, it's 10 minute miles. When I was, when I'm, when I was doing the, um, the low heart rate training, I had to drop initially to about 12 minute miles. Mm. So it was quite a significant, and, and, and as I say, I'm not fast anyway. So to go that slow felt abnormally slow. It felt really weird, but I trusted in it and I gave it, I, I, I stuck with it because, because I needed to, because I knew things weren't right. So, um, so I stuck with it and it, it happened fairly quickly, to be honest with you, Dave. I, I right. noticed after a week that, and I was going out maybe three, three or four times a week. And I noticed that, after a week my heart rate was improving so i could i could run a little bit quicker only a little bit but at, at the the heart rate was maintaining at the same level so it wasn't going higher and and over the three month period that just kept happening week on week where i got to a point where i was running uh, at a reasonable pace and my heart rate was staying low mm. uh, and i have really quite a low heart rate anyway i've something i've always had all my life uh, for some reason a resting heart rate is really quite low so um but when I was exercising, it, it would obviously like everyone's, it would, it would go quite high. So um, the, the, my fitness levels improved massively. My lungs felt much better. My breathing was much better. And I lost that sensation of the tightening of the chest, right. Right. Uh, which I think was all just a respiratory reaction to, to COVID, you know. Yeah. So, so you know, you hear about long COVID all the, t all the time now. And, and I think it's probably, I probably had a dose of that. But again, I, I can never say for definite because I've yeah, never, yeah. never examined and diagnosed. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, obviously we're we're just having a conversation here. We're not giving sort of advice out, but yeah. the, I've I've heard a number of people. I had Duncan O'Brien, and he talked a little bit about this as well uh, on a, 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 a personal training. He's particularly interested in movement, just generally yes. the the the, uh, the the feeling of movement. Um, but he talked about, it and, I, and I'm interested in it from the perspective of when you work with a client who is really potentially new to, to even that kind of activity is often, and I'm, I was the same in times when I've been inactive for a while is I just want to jump straight in and do something. And actually the holding back and doing something really low level yeah. is, well, is probably the best way to build a foundation and just get you, it's moving, it's getting you outside, whatever it is, it's burning energy, you know, yeah. very low rate, but you can maintain it long, but also just in terms of developing your circulation, your respiration, it just seems to have some brilliant effect to stay at that low level. And obviously yeah. I'm not, I'm, I haven't studied the science of that. I rely on other people for that, but I think yeah. there's something in that, you know? 100%. I to yeah. totally agree, Dave. And I think that, you know, there's nothing better 
than walking. Walking sure. is is such a, a a key component of movement. We all we all need to walk, you know, you know, and if we're lucky enough, we're fit enough, we're well enough to walk. So that that is such a key component uh, of of we can all do that. Hopefully, if we're fit enough and well enough, and then you can. You know, so, so there's no reason why you cannot go and walk around the block for 10 minutes. It depends what your level is and where you are yeah. You are in, in your fitness journey. But if, you, if you've got that level of being at walk around the block for 10 minutes, do start there and then you build up and then you may walk the same 10 minute walk, but a little bit quicker. You know, you don't have to go straight into that extreme, whether you go and start training for a half marathon and you've never done any running for since you were at school. You know what I mean? Or you go and start signing up to be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class and you've never done it before and you're, you're, you're our age, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, that, so, so there's, you, you can build up to that hopefully with it over time, but I think you're dead right. And the other thing, again, I'm no, no, no fitness expert and I have no qualifications to, to back this up, but from an injury and a wellbeing perspective is you're, we are laying them basic foundations where you're less likely to become injured, whether it's a muscular or skeletal injury uh, from whatever activity you're doing yeah. by, by building up slowly. Yeah. If you go, if you try and push yourself too hard too soon, the reality is, is that at some point something's going to give, uh, yeah. you know, I got asked if I wanted to play um, in a five side competition at work a couple of weeks back and it was a big, massive, <laughs> you know, I was, I was like, I'm not going there again. I've, I've had so many injuries over the years when I was uh, much younger, much fitter. So I'm, I'm certainly, I wouldn't last five minutes and my hamstring would go. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I mean, there's lots there because one of the things we, that I've picked up along the way is that obviously muscle can grow quicker than joints and ligaments and they take a lot longer. And, and sometimes we can be fooled into thinking we're, we're making more progress and push the ligaments beyond because the muscles developing quicker through the exercises so it's all about just it's that phrase of go go slow to end up going faster you know slow yeah. is fast or the smooth is fast whatever the saying is but it's that slow it down and in the end it'll build up the pace and the momentum of the change and the improvements over time and I think that's the yeah. same you know we talked about the coaching side the, the habitual change and just change of mindset it takes time absolutely. but the cumulative effect of that is brilliant uh, absolutely Dave I think, I think you hit the nail on the head it, it's that it's that steady as you go approach and and the long-term accumulative effect the compound effect as they call it yeah. you know of, of small incremental little steps because you, you, i've got yes that's no problem i'll come in a minute all right um, no come on two minutes all right <laughs> one <laughs> i give it a little wave. Just for the benefit of listeners, little daughter's uh, popped in just to pinch me phone, so no doubt she's going to make a YouTube video or something like that. <laughs> She'll have it very shortly. Anyway. So, yes. No, I think I think some some great points there. So I guess really, I'm conscious of time here, but it's been a great conversation. I think what what I like, and I was interested in talking to you about, was that approach that you've just talked about is the, is you know the benefits of coaching and it's not about necessarily selling coaching as listeners because we can yeah. you know there's we can pick things up and do it ourselves but there is a power in that um but it's that being kind to ourselves recognizing that um our thoughts sometimes we just need to get them out of our head into journaling yeah. slow changes recognizing sleep mindset those kinds of things i think are really powerful and go on the journey you know go on that journey yeah, yeah I, I think so david i think it's that that realization that you know making the most of your life and and enjoying you know we've got to get that balance right the balance of of having a, an enjoyable fulfilling life um but something where you feel like you, your life's been worthwhile you know when you when you look back when you come to the end of your days and you look back and you you want to be able to reflect and say you know what I'd, i had a pretty good life then and i, and I lived it well and longevity is is a key thing now i'm learning about as we as, as i get older you know, and when I get, as, as, as I get even older, I want to be fit enough and well enough to do the things that I want to do, yeah. you know, uh, and yeah. to keep active and to keep mobile. Um, so all of the components we've talked about in the pillars all add up to that. Yeah. Your nutrition, your sleep, your, hygiene, your sleep hygiene, your physical fitness and your brain health. Yeah. They're, they're the key things. And if you, if you look after all, all of them things individually through small, sensible choices while still enjoying yourself, keeping the balance right, you you, you You've, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to have a, to have a healthy and productive life as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the thing between lifespan and health span. You have to yeah. talk about, I mean, for me, yeah, it'd be lovely to live long, but I want the health span, I want the quality of life. And absolutely. there's two sides, 
going one way, inactive, giving up, or, or just not doing it is 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 not great. But battering yourself as well yeah. as not it's that it's that sort of sweet spot for us. And and I think that's where that kind of approach of just doing the little changes is, is a is a brilliant way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Well, um, just in, ter- in terms of if anybody does want to get in touch with you, um, I will add some contact details and show notes. Um, I know you've, you've, I've seen you on LinkedIn recently. So you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 I've got, um, I've got a couple of social media platforms that I'm on. I'm on LinkedIn, which I've just set up a new account on there. Uh, I think I'm on there as um, just under my name, Wayne Barrigan, or it might be WB Coaching. Uh, I'm on Instagram as WB Coaching Academy. Uh, I'm on Facebook, just under my name as Wayne Barrigan. And I've just set up a, a Substack um, newsletter, which is right, brand cool. new. I've just done, done my first one last week. So I'm hoping to send out a weekly newsletter. So if anyone would be interested in, in receiving a free weekly weekly newsletter from me via email, um, you can find me on Substack. I think I'm, it might be down as Wayne's World. So yeah, I'll give you an <laughs> give you an insight into Wayne's world and what goes right. on in, in my fantastic head. Um, but but yeah, so that that's something new that I'm I'm sort of exploring because I thought, like I said, writing stuff down and, and getting your thoughts out there, and and mm. if it can help support someone along the way, then then brilliant. And that's what this is all about, really, helping people yeah. and and supporting people uh, yeah. as best we can. Absolutely. Brilliant. And it's been a great conversation. I know there's loads of takeaways for listeners yeah. as well there. So thank you very much. It's been good to catch up and thank you for for sharing those um, insights as well. And as I say, listeners, if you have any, if you want to con- contact uh, or get in touch with Wayne, you can check him out on those links. We'll put them in um, uh, show notes as well. Uh, but you can also, if you want to get in touch with Wayne via, Wayne via me on uh, Dave at RestlessMidlifer.com. Any questions or feedback as well for me or Wayne, um, give us a shout and uh, we can feed them back as well. So thank you very much uh, thanks listeners and thanks Wayne for uh, your time it's been brilliant thank you dear absolutely loved it thank you for listening you'll find all show notes links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast and it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers share the show and links and if you aren't already subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice and one more thing If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.